You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. They came in contact with. And so the context of Acts as a whole, after Peter has his experience with Cornelius, Cornelius was uh, the Gentile that Peter went and ministered to, that he had the dream of the sheet that came down with, filled with the animals, and the Lord said, you know, what I have called clean, you need to get with the picture, basically. <laughs> so Peter uh, went and spoke with Cornelius, and Peter says this after his experience. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God does not show favoritism. He is looking for people who fear him or honor him, not fearing in a I'm so afraid kind of way, although we, we could be, he is all powerful, but honoring God in everything, seeking to do what he wants, understanding that, and the one who does what's right. Uh, righteousness, a person who is righteous, is a person who lives right, making choices and decisions that honor God in everything that they do. So the Lord shows Peter that faith in Christ is never about the vessel, ever. It's always about the heart. And so this is a really important truth that we have to hold on to as we're reading the New Testament because the New Testament pretty much blows all tradition and expectations out of the water. I don't know if you spend any time reading the book of Acts or the New Testament. I don't, I don't know how much you really observe how much Jesus really challenges us not to look at what everybody looks at. Jesus is always challenging our vision. Jesus is always saying to us, I need you to see differently. I need you to see what's not visible. Forget what's visible, because that's not where I am. And so the Holy Spirit has us on a journey of faith where Jesus is always challenging us to see differently. And we often look at the vessel, not at the spirit and at the heart. So later, um, after Peter um, has his experience with Cornelius, we know that uh, in the same time frame, Paul has had his conversion. Paul has spent a few years just devoting himself to prayer and seeking God and, and talking with the disciples and learning more and more about Christ. And then Paul begins on his missionary journeys, and he is bent on taking this gospel message throughout uh, the known world at the time, as far as he can possibly get. So today, when we are looking at the book of Lydia, we are on Paul's second missionary journey. His first missionary journey was a little more localized, um, kind of in the area of like southern Turkey, what we would know of. And this is the first missionary journey where Paul actually goes further than anyone has ever gone before, and he actually goes to the area that we know of as Greece, uh, which is Europe. So he is um, heading to Europe. Um, 
By, uh, according to the scripture, we know that Paul has three companions at this time. Silas is with him. We see that in chapter 15, verse 40. Luke is the one who is uh, traditionally known as writing the book of Acts, and he uses the pronoun we and us. So he is actually including himself in this. And we also see just before this that Timothy, uh, Paul has met Timothy, and Timothy joins the missionary journey of Paul on a second journey. Timothy, as you know from the book of Timothy, he was the young pastor in the city of Ephesus. Uh, so that happens a little bit later when Timothy becomes pastor. And uh, that's kind of a neat story. So as you can see the map on the wall here, I don't know how much you guys like geography. I'm sorry, I'm a teacher, so I have to use teaching tools to make sure that everybody gets what I'm saying. So here we have Paul's uh, second missionary journey. And he uh, goes all the way up. That, that is what we know of as um, Turkey today, the Mediterranean Sea. And so that southern area up at the top is Greece. So this is the track that Paul is taking on his missionary journey. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read uh, from Acts chapter 16, our text today that we're looking at, that will be on the screen behind you. So Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15 and then verse 40. So Paul has a vision of a man from Macedonia. As Paul is traveling, if you recall, um, he, he really, actually, can you go back to the map for just a second? Um, I don't have a point or anything, but see, um, see, <laughs> I was unprepared to teach today. So if you look straight up in the middle there, you see how the arrow kind of goes right up through the middle there? Well, Paul really wanted to, he really wanted to go into Asia Minor. He really wanted to take the gospel into other areas. And the Holy Spirit, you remember, said, no, that's not where you're going. And so Paul listened to the Holy Spirit, and he went up straight north, and then he ended up in Troas. See that over there? I circled it. See that? I got it. So Troas is right there on the, the edge. Uh, and so when he is there... He has a dream. So the text says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, Come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. And then jumping ahead to verse 40, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, 
They went to Lydia's house where they met with the, with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Okay, so this is our short text that we um, can learn a little bit about Lydia just by observing some interesting uh, things in the text. So, uh, you know, sometimes we have a tendency of just reading very quickly through uh, a passage of the Bible that we think we know. But if we take time and slow down and start noticing the descriptors and, and thinking about it, we can learn some things. So, first of all, <clears throat> let me give you a little bit of background about the city of Philippi. And I'm um, sorry uh, if this is going to bore you. That's okay, but it's really actually kind of important to one of my points that I'm going to make. So the city of Philippi was actually a Roman colony, and it was founded by King Philip of Macedonia, um, who was Alexander the Great's father. And so it was a very um, significant place for the Roman Empire, and it actually has a very famous connection. Rewind back to your English class, Julius Caesar. Remember Julius Caesar? And he got killed by all those senators. True story, because Shakespeare based many of his uh, plays on history, actually. And so Julius Caesar was killed, and the city of Philippi was one of the places where Brutus and Cassius' forces, forces clashed with Antony and Octavian's forces. So this was a place of war. It was a place of battle. And these were the civil wars that happened, okay? So it actually then became a, um, out, a military outpost for the Roman Empire. Now, one more connection for you, biblical connection, because everything's connected. You just got to take a minute and think about it. Octavian, you know, Antony Octavian. Octavian became Caesar Augustus. So if you remember from Luke chapter 2, that Mary and Joseph had to go for the census because Caesar Augustus was requiring a census. That's Octavian. Nice little connection there. A little bit of information. Probably you'll never remember, but that's okay. Um, I, I really find it really helps to try to put things, like not think of everything so compartmentally, like synthesize things, right? Um, so it became a military outpost, the city of Philippi, for the Roman Empire, and it, be, it was a center of trade and commerce, which is not unusual for this area of the world, known world at the time. Um, interesting observation what was a military outpost and a site of civil war now is going to be claimed for God in the spirit and for his kingdom. Just wait, because this is going to be a spiritual battle. Paul's going to show up, and this is fun, okay? Because literally, oh, it's like fire in my bones. I'll stop. Okay, Paul's priorities. So Paul, whenever he went on his missionary journeys, the first thing he always did when he went to a city is he looked for the synagogue. So he always went to the synagogue. We remember in Romans chapter 1, Paul says that the gospel is for salvation to the Jew first and then to the Greek. So Paul always wanted to make sure he went to the synagogue first, preaching the good news of Christ to the Jews that were there, and from then he went on and began sharing the gospel to the Gentiles, okay? So that was always his priority that he did that. So when he went to uh, the city of Philippi, there was no synagogue there. And so what he did was he had to, uh, he went out, it said he went outside the city to the river 
where he found a group of women. So according to Jewish tradition, if there are not 10 men, 10 Jewish men present in a city, uh, a, a synagogue cannot be established. So we can conclude that there wasn't enough men in the city, Jewish men, to have a synagogue. So he goes to the, to the uh, river, uh, and that is part of Jewish tradition where if there isn't a synagogue, you met and worshipped and honored God near the river. And one of the reasons for that is, is because the river, the water, was um, very important for uh, ritual washings and baptism. Uh, and Pastor Dan's preached about um, baptism and how there was baptism in other faiths. Okay, so now that we have that context, it's really interesting that Paul should come, Paul and his um, brothers, I'm going to call them the brothers, they went down to the river because they wanted to honor God because there was no synagogue. And what do they come upon? A group of women. There's no mention of any men there. So he finds a group of women there, and they had um, created a place where they worshipped uh, God. So these women were seeking God, and they were following what they knew was the Jewish tradition, which is kind of neat. All right, first fruits in very unexpected places. God will never, ever do things the way you think he's going to do them. Can I get an amen? Like, how many of us can look back on our life and, and realize, like, he just keeps, like, blowing my mind. Like, that, like, stuff happens. You're like, I never expected that, ever. God is so cool, so amazing. And what was that neat song we sang this morning? He breaks down the walls of our religion, right? And, uh, I'm bad with music. And something about tradition. It rhymed. I got it. I'm really bad with music, so <clears throat> I will spare you. So, Philippi. Let's, let's grasp this, okay? The city of Philippi. It was the first point of contact in Europe to hear the gospel. The first place the gospel is preached. Okay? Lydia, Lydia is the first convert in Europe. Lydia's house becomes the first center for ministry in Europe. Philippi was the first church established by Paul in Europe, and from his writings, we know that Paul had a really special affinity for the Philippian church. If you read the book of Philippians, the Philippian church was the first one to support him always so faithfully. He has a special place in his heart for this community of believers. Not to say that they didn't have their own challenges and struggles, but this was just such a special uh, place for him. So uh, beginnings are always very important to God. Beginnings are always very important to God. And how neat it is that Philippi, the place that was a military stronghold and a place of civil war and a place of secularism now becomes claimed by God for a place where the, the spiritual battle begins. And boy, did it begin. All right, so when we break out in the beginning, what is God looking for? 
What was he looking for? Oh, Lydia, she's just a nice lady. She sells purple, and maybe God really likes the color purple. No, that's not really it. Even though we love the color purple, and purple makes life super cool and awesome, uh, that's not really what God was looking for. God is looking for pure hearts. God is looking for a heart who's seeking him, right? When you seek me with all your heart, you will find me, right? Guess what these women were doing? There was, there was no institution of a church, but they were like, we need God. We need to seek God. We need to find him, right? And God wanted to reach the Gentiles, right? More than just the, the Jewish people. He, this, Jesus died for the whole world. He died for everybody. And so God uses Cornelius and Lydia to begin the, the spreading of uh, the gospel in these areas where Peter and Paul ended up going. Both of these people represent a breaking out of expected church norms. Cornelius really shocked Peter. And Paul, although, I don't know, I think Paul's probably pretty chill about most things because he sat down and just started talking to the women. But, like, like right? Like, God is just, he just, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about our church norms. He doesn't care what we look like. He doesn't care where we've been. You've got a pure heart. You want to worship him. You're seeking him. God will honor you in that for sure. The outward vessel is never what's important. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Does anybody know it? Class. That is an A-plus student right there. <laughs> the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. And that was said about David in the book of Samuel. David did not look like a king. Saul looked like a king. Oh, he was so handsome and he was strong and he oh all everybody thought he was king. David, the scrawny little shepherd? A king? I don't know. <laughs> don't you love God? And who was the one that ended up being the most famous king of Israel? The, the little scrawny kid, right? All right. Peter, remember, all the way back to the beginning, our beginning context, God is looking for the one who fears him, honors him, and does what is right. So these women uh, are, are doing just that. So the women are worshiping. So in verse 13, it says the women who had gathered there. So in the absence of spiritual authority and an institution, there was no institution for them to worship at, no synagogue, uh, they obeyed the scriptures. They obeyed what they knew to do. And so they were intentionally worshiping God, however they could. They created a community of believers. And then it says, on the Sabbath, so we know that they were observing the proper time to worship. We know that they were setting aside that time 
and that place to worship. How important is it, is it for us to set aside time and place to worship God? And if we are not following what scripture tells us, we have to put ourselves under the authority of the word. The word tells us this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be in a community of believers. We're supposed to be setting aside time and place to honor God and worship God together. And if we are not doing that, we're not in alignment with God's word. So verse 13 also says that they found a place, the men found a place of prayer. Oh, what were the women doing? What is prayer? It's talking to Jesus. Oh, they didn't know about Jesus yet. They were talking to God. Yeah, prayer is talking to God, right? And so they were trying to communicate with the Father who had created them the best way that they knew how, right? I don't know, maybe some of you in your life, you, you prayed or worshipped the, the best way you knew how until Jesus showed up, right? And then, then it all kind of like, made sense and kind of everything just fell in place so here here are women that are seeking to communicate with god all right so lydia lydia in verse 14 we know she's a dealer in purple cloth from thyatira who was a worshiper of god so her her descriptor there that Lick, that luke uses is she is a worshiper of god and whenever someone is intentional about honoring god and doing the right thing, God shows up. When you are intentional about honoring God, doing things his way, worship him, worshiping him, uh, talking to Jesus, even like, okay, the best prayer in the Bible is like Peter, Lord, help. <laughs> How many prayers have you prayed like that? Okay, God's like, you're, you're just, just reach out to me, right? So we've got a pure heart. We've got a heart of worship. And God always shows up. And not does God sh just randomly show up like, oh, Lydia, what a great job. He sends Paul. He sends Paul. Like an apostle. A very powerful one, right? And so he, he uh, sends Paul and that's how God shows up. And Paul and the brothers arrive. Interestingly enough, it's still not a Jewish quorum of ten Jewish men, right? Because we've got Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke that we know of. So that's only four. And then we've got some women who don't equate to being a man. So we still can't have a synagogue, but they still had church. Because it doesn't matter anymore. Because when people gather together to worship Jesus, Jesus is going to be there. And so Paul says, let's have church. And I'm going to tell you all about Jesus, right? And then Lydia responds, okay? So it says in verse 14, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. She heeded the truth, okay? So when, the, when, when Paul was sharing with her about Jesus and the gospel message, she listened. And she took it in, right? Always receive. Always receive the word. Take it in. Heed it. And because of this, 
she received and her whole household believed and got baptized. Okay, ready? This is a new base for the brothers right here in Europe. This is so exciting. All right, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, verse 15. So she hears Jesus. She's like, this is the way. She accepts. She gets baptized. Her family gets baptized. She is all in. Guys, you got to come stay at my house. So cool. And so interestingly enough, she was aware. She said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord. So she was aware that there was actually a Jewish um, sort of standard of protocol that Jews typically would not stay at like non-believers' house homes. So the fact that Paul and, and his companions went and stayed at her house indicates that, yeah, you're definitely a believer in the Lord. Like, we have no problem staying at your house. And so it becomes their base of operations. So, okay, between the ending of that chunk, and then it skips over to verse to verse 40, I skipped over to point out that they were uh, using her house as kind of like their base. In between there, what happens? So right after uh, Lydia gets converted, then there's the incident with the slave girl who's following them around through the city, who's uh, possessed and says, you're from, you know, Jesus. And Paul gets tired of it. He's like, all right, he needs to come out, right? So that happens. And then after that, they get arrested and put in prison. And this is the famous story where Paul and Silas are singing and praising God in prison. So I won't preach that message, but it folds into what I'm trying to point out is that we need to create places of worship and we need to create places of prayer wherever we are. Wherever we are, we need to create a place of worship create a moment of prayer wherever we are and so in sunday school i like to call it the jailhouse rock miracle and we had an earthquake and the bars flew open and the chains flew off right and remember the the guard was going to kill himself because he's like oh no the prisoner escaped and paul's like no no we're all here it's all good and then he gets saved right oh man and here goes church church is starting in philippi all right so why Lydia? Let's notice all of the things about her that God honored. First of all, in the absence of any church, she was intentional about honoring God where she was. She was part of a community of believers. There wasn't any organized synagogue or church there, but the women got together and they worshipped. They did what they could do where they were they created a space to worship they created a place to pray they paid attention to the message of truth then they shared that truth because her family got baptized too and god and she was used by god to establish and build the church that's pretty cool Notice that they were also outside the city walls. So they went outside the city walls to worship because it says Paul went outside the city gate and found them. So they had removed themselves from the secular city, 
They were not in a church, traditional synagogue expectation, and they found Jesus. And then they went back into the city, and bam, Jesus came into that city. And so God now has infiltrated the military post that once was a stronghold for the world, that once was a place of civil war, and now God is saying, I am claiming this. This is going to be the point at which I launch my offensive, and God launches his offensive in the spirit realm, and then we see Paul casting out demons and them getting imprisoned, and wow, all hell kind of breaks loose. So, Has there been places in your life of war, of civil war? Have you, are you fighting against yourself? Has there been a point of pain and loss? Has there been a struggle for things to be taken over in your life? Maybe the world's been trying to take over. Maybe someone in your family you know. The world is trying to take over. and Make that an outpost for the world. Guess what? Let's make a place of worship. Let's bring God right into the middle of it. That place of pain. That place of loss. If you create a place of worship in that painful place, in that hard place, if you create a place of prayer in that place that's outside the walls of this church, in your life, I promise you Jesus is going to show up. In your home, maybe it's difficult, create a place of worship, create a place of prayer. In your workplace, create a place of worship, create a place of prayer. And I don't mean you have to go banging any drums or hitting people over the head with the Bible. No, 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 just take a moment. I was at school one time, this was years ago, and I had had a day. You know when you just have, like, a day? And I teach high school kids. I love them to pieces, I really do. But I had had a day, this was years ago, and I just, I was in my room and I was like, I just need a moment. And I went to the ladies' room. I didn't have to use the ladies' room, but I went into a stall and I locked the stall and I just stood there and I was like, Jesus. Jesus, I just need you. I just created a space to acknowledge him, to pray, to worship. And then I went back out and I did my day. I don't remember what happened, but I'm sure it was good. I had a really, really hard job one time. I, I, I just, oof. I can't even tell, I can't even put into words how difficult this job was. And I got to the point where in the morning, I just didn't even have any words left to pray. You know how when you pray, and you, you kind of like, I just don't even know what, what to say. I would, okay, I had an old car. So I would put my earbuds in to listen to worship music on the way to work. So I just put on my worship music, and I just went to work, and I just, all I did was I would walk through the halls and pray. I would sit in students' desks and pray. I, it was so, so hard. It was so, so hard. But I 
intentionally created a place of worship and prayer in that hard place. And then eventually the Lord moved me out and on. And I don't, I don't really know if I did any good, but I'm, I left Jesus there for sure. I left Jesus. I would run my hand along the lockers and I would pray Jesus. And I left Jesus there. So whether I did good or not, I don't know. But I know I created a place of worship and I created a place of prayer. And guess what? I can't even tell you. God will come in in ways that you don't expect it. And when you do that, he will lift you to the next level of spiritual insight and wisdom and impact. And that's what he does. And then all of a sudden you find yourself like understanding more, seeing more, like hearing the Holy Spirit more. Because when you do this, when you create a place of worship and you create a place of prayer and you seek to know God in all things, your heart is pure, you're living right, and you're bringing God into those places that are difficult. Moms, bring God into those places that are difficult. Just bring him in. Bring him in. You don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. I'm telling you, like, I have fabulous kids. I really do. They're awesome. But there's moments where I'm like, I don't have any answers right now. (laughs) I don't know what to do. Jesus? Jesus, right? And so here is the point. The Holy Spirit will come in and do things you may not see right away, but I promise you, if you do like Lydia did, if you make a place of worship and a place of prayer, if you seek God, the strongholds are going to come down. The answers to prayer are going to come. They may be slow, but they'll come. Or they may be fast. Because remember, in the spiritual realm, there's a lot happening that's got to be worked on. Okay, let's look at a map again. Okay, are you ready? This is so cool. All right, see my map here? Look, I color-coded it for you. So, so the Holy Spirit tells Paul, I don't want you to go into Asia. You, don't go to Asia. And Paul's like, oh, all right, but I really want to go share the gospel. And the Holy Spirit's like, nope, don't do it. So he goes up to Troas, to Philippi, right? Okay? He loops back down around. He had one of his biggest failures in Athens, and he comes back over to Ephesus. Ephesus is where Timothy ended up pastoring, and then eventually goes back to Jerusalem. Here's what's really fabulous. Notice, okay, Lydia, her name, actually just means a woman from the area of Lydia. Kind of boring, right? But do you know what happened in that area after Paul went through? After the church in Ephesus? Literally, the gospel exploded. If you read the book of Acts, and I'm, I, I don't say this lightly, literally all hell broke loose. And the area where the Holy Spirit told Paul not to go literally explodes with the gospel. Are you hearing me? I don't know. Should I connect the dots? You see, the things that we think we need to do
do are not always the things we need to do. God knows where he wants us to go, and we have to trust the Holy Spirit. Maybe it wasn't Paul's job to make the gospel known in that area. He just had to plant the seeds where God wanted planted. And Lydia, who was from a woman of Thyatira in the area of Lydia, Turkey, guess what God did? He brought the gospel back to where she was originally from. And wow, God is a God of the details. we've been a lot of times we don't even know right we don't even know we just do what we're supposed to do we honor god we worship god we create a place of prayer wherever we are do you know god can do amazing things in your workplace god can do amazing things in your home god can do amazing things in your neighborhood but guess what a lot of times we don't even know half the time what god is and that's okay. It's okay not to know. Because I trust the Holy Spirit. And I know that in the places I've been where I've created a place of worship and created a place of prayer, even in those hard places, even in those dark times, even in the times when I didn't understand, I kept my focus and my eyes on Jesus. And I promise you that will not go unnoticed in the kingdom of heaven. And here we all sit today because a woman in the city of Philippi accepted Jesus and said, come use my house. Just is so exciting. All right. So, as we wrap up, Women, men, are we living like Lydia? When we're not at church, okay, so we create a space of worship here in the sanctuary of God. It's, it's, this is our community of believers. When we are not in these four walls, are we intentional about honoring God? wherever we find ourselves. Are we part of a community of believers? Lydia, they, they created a community of believers. Guess what? You could have a community of believers at your workplace. You could have a community of believers in your neighborhood. You can have a community of believers in your family. You can have a community of believers anywhere. Jesus is not restricted by walls. There are no walls. Where is your heart? Are you worshiping and praying? And it might be broken prayers. It might be broken worship. much broken worship from my heart after all these years. Jesus is so good. 
rather have broken worship than no worship. That's right. Did you hear me? Heed that truth. He'd rather have broken prayers than no prayers. Just talk to him. King David, on on the run for his life in the desert most of the time, he had no synagogue. He had no place for the atonement of sacrifices. That poor guy was on the run for his life. And we have the book of Psalms. He didn't write that in church with a pen and a scroll. Broken prayers, right? Angry prayers, frustrated prayers, joyful prayers. Those were not written in the synagogue. Oh, grab it today. Grab it today. Keep talking to Jesus. Pay attention when God sends you a message. And he will send it in ways that you don't expect. And to some of us, we'll go, huh, that's really weird. But to you, that was for you. It wasn't for me. How many times has God spoken to me in ways that no, like people go, what? And they go, aren't you a woman of the word? Yes, I am a woman of the word. But guess what? We have our own connections and our own associations and our own experiences. And God uses all of that to speak to us. All of it. So when God sends you a message, receive it. Just go, okay, that was for me, Lord. I don't understand all of what you meant, but I'm accepting that. Are you sharing the truth? However you do it, just be you. Okay, you don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be me. I don't, I don't have to be you. Like, you, you're you. Just, just do your thing. Like maybe you maybe you just need to open your house and invite somebody over for coffee. Like make it simple. Why do we make it complicated? Lydia kept it simple. Let's keep it simple. And are we choosing to build the church? And I don't mean the institution. Jesus did say, I will build my church on the rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But listen, church is wherever Jesus is. And if Jesus is with you, you can have church at your kitchen table. You can have church in the, in the break room of your work. And you, don't even, it, you don't even have to say anything to anybody. Just do it. And when we honor God by living like Lydia There's no limit to what he can do through the kingdom. We just have to trust him. We just have to trust him. We don't know all the results. And we're probably not going to know all the results this side of heaven. But just be at peace with that. It's okay. It's okay. Honor God. Worship God wherever you are. Keep your heart right before him. Do it the way the word lays out, and you can't go wrong. And Jesus goes, that's a vessel I can use.
Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.